want to preach out of the book of Genesis. We're going through the book of Genesis at our church there at Central Baptist in Gainesville. And uh, really just been a help, uh, first off to me, and an encouragement. But really, I think it's really helped our church as we've just worked our way through it. And really, we just finished the life of Abraham, but I just can't get away from it. The Lord's been kind of just reminding me of things all the time. And we're going to look at some verses here in uh, Genesis chapter 12. We won't read them right off the bat, but we'll get to them. We're going to look at really verses 10 through the end of the chapter. And what we see going on here is uh, Abraham started a life of faith in the first nine verses. And what a, what a start it was. An absolutely amazing start. It still boggles my mind. That's why we still preach about it all these years later. Thousands of years later, we still can't comprehend that Abraham would do that. That God would show up and say, hey, I want you to go somewhere. Well, I'll tell you when you get there. All right, I'm ready to go. I don't know about you, but I like to know the details. I want to know everything that's going on, but yet we see him starting this life of faith and this journey so magnificently and, and he goes off and it just seems to be going very well. But like many of us, I'm sure there, we all have come to this situation in our own life that we've started something and we think, man, this is pretty easy. We kind of get into it. We think, man, I, I am really good at doing this. And then it just seems like it's a breeze, like everything's going to be great. And maybe when you, you first got saved, you thought, man, this, this Christian life is pretty easy. And that burden was lifted and you just, I mean, you're living on cloud nine. But then you started realizing that you're still a sinner and that you still have problems and you run into those things in life where you begin to stumble. Is there any runners in here? A couple brave souls. Okay. I like to run. I know that's weird. Let me rephrase that. I like to eat ice cream. So I run. That's, that's how I roll. But, you know, maybe some of you, how many of you have been talked into running a 5K with some friends before? Yeah, a little more hands right there. And you get out there and you're on the starting line and they, they shoot the gun off. You got all this adrenaline pumped up and you, you, know, you used to be an athlete 10 years ago, so you think you can do this. I mean, you take off running you think, man, I'm killing this. This is super easy. Maybe you got to watch. You look down and you think it says 0.1 miles. You just can't breathe. You know, I've always seen those guys when I'm running a race. They come out there and they come around the corner and they're like this. Maybe that's been you before. Maybe you had a, a plan to be a blessing to your wife and to finally do something on that honey to-do list. And now it's just a pile of rubble sitting in your backyard. And people say, what's that? Well, I started a project and it just uh, kind of stumbled and it's not really going anywhere. And uh, maybe, maybe some of you brave souls decided on January 1st, you were going to have it started a diet. Then January 2nd happened. Maybe some of you made it to Thanksgiving and then like uh, your pastor, I know your pastor likes dessert as well. I experienced, I saw him, he went with a small plate and he said, oh, there's more. He had to get a bigger plate. Sometimes your diets, they run into the stumbling blocks in your life. But see, it's one thing to stumble when it comes to running a race or to doing a project around your house or, 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 or watching what you eat. But I think everybody in this room, if you know Jesus Christ is your savior, you're, you're thankful that you started your journey of faith. But at some point, I'm sure you've stumbled. At some point, it, it, that reality meets you and, and it hits you right in the face. And it, it seems so easy, but it just shows up. See, we're reminded throughout the word of God that even in the realities of life, that God has still called us to walk by faith. That sometimes circumstances in life are not good. Can I get a witness there? We think, and sometimes in our mind, we think, well, I do this for you, Lord, and I do this, and I come to church, and, I, and this is what I get? 
But we know that God is still good, but life happens and things come across our plate that we didn't really sign up for. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to walk by faith. No, the just shall live by faith. And God, when he saved us and when he, when he called us, he called us to live life under his umbrella. Now, I asked Sid for an umbrella. And to be honest, I'm surprised when this opened up, it doesn't go, boomer sooner, boomer sooner. It's a pretty good size umbrella. How many of you have an umbrella, but you never have it when you need it? You have one. Now, of course, when you bring an umbrella, you, it never rains, right? And we understand this. An umbrella doesn't cause the storms to go away. The storms are still there. Now it offers protection. Now, now even if it's raining, it's pouring, you might get a little bit of water on you. You might get a little bit of all that residual coming out, but for the most part, you're protected. And you're living life under the umbrella. And see, what God did when he saved you, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, and we, we were just caught out in the storm. But when he, he called us to live that life of faith, he brought us underneath his umbrella. We're sheltered under his wings. And when we were saved, he, he shows us what's underneath the umbrella. You know what we find there? We find provision. We find God's blessings. We find protection. We, we find joy and peace. All those things we were searching for for so long, they're all found in God. And, and you get there and you get a part of it and you think, man, this is the best life I've ever lived in. It is. It's designed to be that way. He's called us to live life and live it more abundantly. And that happens underneath his umbrella. And, and we, we walk through life and, hey, when life is going good and when everything is where it needs to be, you think, man, this is my umbrella. I'm never leaving it. I, I'm never going to step outside of this umbrella. See, if we had time, we would go look at the first nine verses of Genesis chapter 12. You know what Abraham's doing? Living life under the umbrella. He comes to this moon worshiper that's in the Ur of the Chaldees where culture is completely against God. And he calls him out. He says, hey, I got an umbrella I want you to live under. And Abraham steps out and he begins to live there. And hey, the journey's not easy. It's a long journey. Hey, they didn't have a car. They didn't have a plane. No, he had to get on a, on a donkey or a camel. He had to walk. It's hot. It's in the desert. It's a difficult journey, but he took it. And you know what we find? God provided every single time. And we come and we look there in verse number eight and, and what he, he begins to do, he gets into this land full of enemies. You know what he does? He builds altars and he worships up God. And he says, hey, I want to invite everybody to come underneath this umbrella. But you know, we've all been in a place too where we have an umbrella and we think the umbrella is weighing us down. We've all had this contemplation. I know you have. You're thinking, I bet I can run to my car faster than this umbrella is going to last. Because you start running with an umbrella, you know what? It's going to pull out like a, like a parachute. You know what we do? We say, you know what? I'm going to run to the car because I'm not going to get that wet. You run out there. You get in the car. You look in the rearview mirror. And you are a wet dog. And it's just like, you're, God's like, you're, you're dumb, aren't you? You ever been there? You ever been tempted? You know, we know. We know from the word of God. I know you know here because your pastor preaches the word of God uh, every single time in the pulpit. We know the word of God says, hey, life is to be lived under the umbrella of God. It's his will. That's the center of God's will, if you want to put it that way. But we also live in the world. Where the realities we come to face to face, we think, you know what? This umbrella is weighing me down. 
I, I know the Lord's promised all these things, but I have this bill that I need to take care of. So I got to take this extra job. That's going to take me out of church. I got to do this. I got to do that. And we say, I'm not abandoning God, but I just need to set this umbrella down for a second because I'm going to run and fix this real quick. Lord, I know you're busy, but I'm just going to help you. You ever try to help God do his job? <laughs> Guilty. You know, that's what we find in our text in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham's been living under the umbrella. He's made one of the most magnificent journeys of faith that we have ever seen recorded in scripture. And he leaves the earth, the Chaldees. He leaves everything he knows. He's not a young man. He's 75 years old. But he decides, you know what? Hey, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. And he sets out on this journey. But you know what? Trouble arises. And Abraham's holding that umbrella and he's thinking, you know what? I know this is where I'm supposed to be, but I need to help God out for a second. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10 of Genesis chapter 12. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. We notice this in the verse. There's, there's really nothing remarkable about Abraham's decision to go. In fact, there's, it seems very normal. And all he intended to do was just to wait out the famine. That word sojourn, it just means a, a temporary stay. Because he understood the promises of God. He understood that he was supposed to be in the promised land. This was the land that he was going to give to his descendants that God was going to bless the world through and through his seed. And he knew that. So in his mind, he's thinking, I, I'm not abandoning God. I'm just, I'm taking a temporary leave for a minute. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just take care of some things. We're tempted to do that, aren't we? I can't, I can't tell you how many times I visited people and they say, Hey, pastor, we just got a lot going on right now. When, when things settle down, we'll get back to church. You know, that's kind of what Abraham's doing right here. Hey, life's pretty busy right now. We know we need to be under the umbrella, but we're just going to go here and, and wait out the famine. He's listen, he's not abandoning the promised land. If that was the case, he would have not gone to Egypt. You already went it to his home. He went back to Ur. I mean, he, he didn't come 800 miles just to abandon it like that. He, he's just looking for a little reprieve. And, and really, this makes a lot of sense because going to Egypt was the natural thing to do. Because if you know anything about Egypt, there's a pretty big river there called the Nile. When there's a famine and when there's a drought, where's the food going to be? Right by the Nile. So he's just, you know what he's doing? He's acting very logically. Now, the devil tries to use that in our own lives. You know, sometimes we think, well, I'm just, it's just a logical thing to do. We don't, we say things like, I don't need to pray about that. Maybe I'm the only one, me and brother Bill, we say it, but that, that's what we do. See, what's wrong with him going to Egypt? I mean, there's a famine. He, he, he's got a, he's got a family. He's got a wife and he's got people to take care of. He's got a lot. He's, he's probably eating all his food. He's got to do something. What's the problem here? Here's the problem. There's no mention that he sought God's will in this matter. He wasn't focused on God. He was focused on the famine. He was focused on the circumstances that were around him and the famine had created the fear of starvation. And he began to instinctively move to, to calm his fears without consulting God. Because you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to calm his fears and say, God, got it taken care of. We, we do things like this. We pray and ask God to bless it. That, that's exactly what he's doing. See, I, I personally don't believe that Abraham's move to Egypt was intentional sin. He wasn't thumbing his nose at God's promise. He wasn't saying, hey, God, thanks for leaving me out to dry. 
No, he was just he was just reacting. He became reactionary to his circumstances. He let his fear replace his faith. And we know this from scripture. Fear and faith cannot coexist. John MacArthur says fear leads God's people into doubt, not into faith. And the reason that this text really God used in my own life is for this very reason. If this could happen to Abraham, the father of faith, the man who stepped out on a journey that I don't know if anybody in this room would step out on. If it could happen to this man, I think it can happen to me and you. I think it happens to us more often than we might want to admit. And just think about think about what Abraham did. When God told him to take this journey and, and told him he would bless him, I mean, it, it, it just, it's unreal, and he went. And when he got there and got to this land, God said, here it is, and it was full of enemies. And it, it really wasn't ready to be taken over at that point. And he began to learn that he was never really going to see the fulfillment of God's promise in his own lifetime. But yet, when he got there, you know what he did? He just built altars and worshiped the Lord. This man. This is the man that has set his umbrella down and he's gone another direction. This is the man that all he had was God's word, his literal word, and he believed it. He didn't have, he didn't have a, a Bible that he could just tuck under his arm and when he was feeling a little low, read some scriptures. No, all he had was God showed up and said, hey, I want you to go somewhere. When you get there, I'll let you know. And he went. And he set his umbrella down. I think we can set our umbrella down. Listen, Abram is not denying God. He's just kind of forgetting him. He, he, this is really what he's doing. He is forgetting how great God is. God was the one that provided the whole way down there, all the way down to the land of Canaan. And if you're like me, sometimes when you just read it at, uh, in a real quick, quick glance, it's like, come on, Abram. Where's your faith, man? I thought you were Father Abraham. We sang that song in children's church. It never ends. I mean, we got all these songs we sing about you and all this awesome stuff. I mean, aren't you the father of faith? <laughs> but then I look in a mirror and it's me. It's just like me. Trials come and we kind of automatically naturally go into survival mode. Our first reaction is to call our friends, put it on Facebook, do this, do that. Where's the Lord? We, we, we begin to scheme. We begin to, I love this word. I'm not this smart. I looked it up. Prognosticate. Yeah. Yeah. It means to foretell based on what's going on right now. We look at our circumstances and say, because this is happening, no doubt this has to happen. And we scheme and we do that and, and we run through all the what ifs and we shore up our position and we start putting sandbags all around us just to protect ourselves. Oh, yeah, God bless this. Bless my efforts. That's where Abram finds himself. See, many times we start leaning into the logical instead of leaning into God. And that's where we find Abram and his lapse in faith. It only causes his fears to grow. As he tries to scheme his way out of a mess. Look what the Bible says in verse number 11 of Genesis 12. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. 
So they make this journey. Man, Sarah's got to have some crazy crowns in heaven. I mean, she's just following Abram all over the place. She, they finally get to the promised land and he says, hey, we're moving again. Not, not, a, not, not a full move, but we're just going on a little journey. And I love, I love this because it, it, they start making their way down in there and they're getting close to Egypt. And Abram looks over there on the camel next to him. And he realizes this biblical truth. Sarah was drop dead gorgeous. That's what the Bible says. I mean, that, that's exactly what's going on. Listen, this wasn't a, a beauties in the eye of the beholder kind of thing. Like, oh, you're the most beautiful. No, no, she was. If you look at verse 14, the Egyptians realize it too. As soon as she rolls into town, they said, who's this woman? This, this is a good looking lady right here. So Abram, he, he, he knows, man, that we got a, we, we got a, I got a problem on my hands. Now it's, it's normally the opposite for me. My wife is very gorgeous, but I'm usually saying I am her husband. And I want people to know that they probably thinking that's got to be your brother. No, no way she's with him. So he tells, he, he tells her there in verse number 12, therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, they shall say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake and my soul shall live because of thee. So he says, listen, listen, Sarah, this, this plan, we get in there. Everybody's going to say, Hey, there she is. She's good looking. You just say, that's my brother. Cause Abraham was looking out for himself. You know, you see, it's kind of snowballing on him now. He's got out from the umbrella and now he's trying to think, oh, well, not only do I have a famine problem, but now they're going to probably take my wife. And he begins to fall into this, this problem. And he's, temp he's forgetting that God was going to make a great nation out of him. Now he's thinking, I'm not even going to be alive. They're just going to kill me. <laughs> but God's already promised that he would bless all nations through Abraham's seed. What we see him is he's really just simply taking matters into his own hands. You know, he has started down a road and he feels like, I got to finish this. You ever been there? <laughs> you create the mess, but you think, well, I'm just going to work a little bit harder to fix it. <laughs> you know, the harder you work to fix it, the more mess we create so many, so many times. But he comes up with this plan and he's got to be thinking to himself, man, I am one smart dude. I mean, in his mind, this is a brilliant plan because really what he's doing is he is kind of following the cultural uh, traditions and, and rituals of that day, which is not always a good thing to do, by the way. But, but, but what he's doing here is if the father was not present, then posing as the brother would give Abram legal guardianship over his sister. So then if he's the legal guardian, then he would be the one responsible for arranging the marriages. So he's thinking, hey, we're going to do this because it's going to buy some time. And when they come to me and they say, hey, we want to make a we want to make a trade here. What do we need to do? We I want Sarah to be my wife. He said, now, when that comes, I'll have a plan already. We'll be out of it. You see, you see what's going on. You see where he's at. And besides, in his mind, I mean, this is a really good plan because it's not a full lie. It's just a half lie. I mean, it, she was his half sister. And so in his mind, he's thinking it's not really that big a deal. I mean, he, he's kind of puffed his chest out a little bit. He's got his fingers in his lapel. And he, he, can you just picture him celebrating, maybe congratulating himself and saying, Sarah, I may not be good looking, but I'm smart. That, that's what's going on right here. And, and he, he's kind of building this up. And, his, and in his mind, he was just being responsible. 
He was just helping God. But it's not going to work like he wants to because there's a few problems with it. This, this is not an act of faith. See, when God called him, he called him to live a life of faith all the time. Not when it's convenient. Not when circumstances are good. No, he called him to live that every single day of his life. And what Abraham is doing here in our, in our text is he is living as the God who called him does not exist anymore. The God that called him cannot provide and cannot help him anymore. Here's the deal. Abraham is in the driver's seat. He said, God, I'm going to take over right now. You ever been just driving along, having a good time, maybe talking, looking around, and you hit a pothole that you didn't see coming? I mean, it'd tear your car up, won't it? <laughs> Drinking coffee, coffee's everywhere. See, Abraham thinks he's, he's driving good. He's over there talking to Sarah. Hey, this is going great, isn't it? We're going to see, we see a pothole come up here in verses 14 through 16. Look what the Bible says. And it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. And the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. So he gets there and in all of his planning and all of his scheming, he forgot one thing. Pharaoh. <laughs> He, he, he forgot that Pharaoh, when Pharaoh wants something, Pharaoh gets something. Because in verse 15, uh, all the Egyptians see her and they realize, you know what? She's way too good looking for me. Pharaoh's going to take her. So they say, we might as well just take her there in the first place. And, and that is what's going on. Because in, in Abraham's plan, the average Egyptian would happily have, have negotiated for Sarah. But Pharaoh's not the average Egyptian. In their culture, he is God on earth. And if he wants something, he sees something, he takes something. And, and, and that's what starts happening. Have you ever had a, a foolproof plan? I mean, just airtight crumble right in front of your face. <laughs> and you're thinking, there is no way this plan can fail. That was Abraham. And yet we find it just, a, that's exactly what it's doing. It is, it is crumbling. See, and what we find there in verse number 16 is is. He, Pharaoh took her and, and his wife now is part of Pharaoh's harem. And, and this was not how it played out in Abraham's head. He's thinking, maybe he's just talking to himself, but, 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 and they're just taking Sarah away. And he, he has nothing to say. And then really to add insult to injury, they just start giving him a ton of gifts and saying, hey, thanks, buddy. That's what verse 16 is. They come knocking on his door and he's thinking, oh man, maybe something happened and they're bringing Sarah back. No, but look what verse number 16 says. And he entreated, talking about Pharaoh, Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. Listen, he's compensating Abram very, very greatly. And there's a couple gifts in here that are just showing how much he thinks Sarah's worth. At this time, these female donkeys and these camels were very extravagant gifts. The commentators would say that these donkeys would be like the Lexuses and the BMW of the Nile. Nobody had these. Only Pharaoh had these. And he said, hey, Abram, thanks for, thanks for coming and visiting Egypt. And we really appreciate your sister. And I'm going to go ahead and marry her. Hey, here's, some, here's a BMW for you. And on top of that, I'll throw a Ferrari in. It's a camel. Because this was the time that camels were really introduced 
And it, was a, it wasn't really used for practical reasons. It was, a, it was a symbol of the elite. And he's saying, hey, I know it's not much, but it's all that I got. Here you go. And that's where we find Abraham. That's just simply what, what Pharaoh's doing. He's saying, here's a bunch of stuff. Have a safe trip home. And the plot twist is Abraham's sitting there. He's got his hands in his head thinking, what have I done? See, he created a mess and there was absolutely nothing he could do. He's thinking to himself, you know what? The only thing I can do is I'm, I'm probably just going to have to die in some valiant effort. I'm going to have to try to go in there and rescue her. I mean, that's the only way. At least, at least she'll know I died trying. I mean, that, that's got to be where he's at. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like this? And sometimes we want to blame God. But God reminds us, hey, where's that umbrella you're supposed to be under? Remember when you set it down because you thought, hey, it's weighing me down, it's holding me down. But now we have this problem and this problem and this problem. It didn't mean under the umbrella there's no problems. It just meant we we're protected from a lot of them. And that God wants us to stay there. And see, to Abram, all was lost, but God had a much different plan. And we saw this truth this morning that he is still sovereign, no matter how bad we mess up. Because he made a promise to Abram in the earth. He said, I'm going to do this. And he intended to keep his promise. And we see in verses 17 through 20 that God intervened. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was my wife? Now, we're not sure exactly what the plagues were, but it was very apparent uh, Sarah wasn't touched by him. Many commentators believe it may have been some sort of skin disease. And, a and Pharaoh would have looked around his whole house and everybody had it but Sarah. And he said, you know what? Give me Abram. Hey, I need to talk to this Abram guy right now. And he brings him in and he calls him in there in, in, in verse number 19. And he begins to just kind of rail on him. Listen, we see God's protecting Abraham and Sarah. Why? Because God keeps his promises. Aren't you thankful for that? Even, even in famines, even in hard times. Listen, let me just remind you, God knows what you're going through. Maybe you're sitting there and you, you got a real loose grip on that umbrella right now. And you're thinking, God doesn't know what I'm going through. Yes, he does. He called you to live by faith and he intends for you to stay there because he wants to take care of you. He wants to bless you. But sometimes trials and famines and storms come. Why? Because it's how God grows us. Abram walks in there and Pharaoh says, what are you trying to do here, man? Why didn't why you just tell me she was your wife? Why are you trying to, why are you trying to make all these lies up? And he, he tells them there in, in verse number 19, he says, get out of here. He says, take your wife, take your stuff. I don't even want it back. Just go. Hey, I, I don't want this in my life. I don't want it in my family. In verse number 20, it says, and Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Listen, God, I mean, Pharaoh expelled Abraham from Egypt. He had nothing to say. Abraham had anything to say. I mean, he got caught. He got caught in his own lies. That's a lot different than how Genesis 12 started. He shows up into the promised land full of enemies and he's just worshiping the Lord. He's just telling everybody about him. And really, from what we can tell, on the journey down, he brought people with him. He said, hey, I'm on a journey of faith and you should come too. 
That's the souls that he won in Haran and the different things like that. He was inviting people under the umbrella. But now he is shameful. We saw that this morning. It's kind of the same truth that when we're faithful to God, you know what we do? We worship God and tell other people about him. But when we're not faithful, we have nothing to say. We kind of got to walk out of town with our with our tail between our our legs. Abram would build no altars in Egypt. He wasn't proclaiming the name of the Lord. He was trying to save his own skin. See, Abram's lack of trust in God had reduced him to a scheming little man. A man that we would consider a giant of the faith. And not just consider, the Bible tells us so. We know Hebrews chapter 11, the the roll call of faith. You know who has the longest section in that whole chapter? Abraham. Because that's what he was. But this giant of a man had become very small and he felt it. But you say, wait wait a minute, Brother Tyler. It, It can't all be bad because he got a bunch of cool stuff. I mean, look at verse, at verse 16. I mean, Pharaoh just gave him all kinds of stuff. He's got all these things. Oh, you mean the livestock that caused the strife between Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen? That led his nephew that he cared greatly for towards Sodom? Oh, you mean that maidservant that was probably in this group whose name is Hagar? That Abraham decided he needed to help God out again. And his seed is still having problems with that today. I don't think it was worth it. I I don't think getting outside of that umbrella really fixed the issue. Because there really wasn't an issue. Say, well, there was a famine. God knew there was a famine. God knew what was going on. See, there are times in life when it seems that we're all on the, uh, on the receiving end of blessings, but, but when they're obtained apart from God, they'll only bring heartache. And Abraham had to deal with some of this for the rest of his life. See, the goal of this message is not to put Abraham in a bad light. I mean, I wish my life would be just a quarter of what Abraham's life was. I mean, you study his life. He, he has a couple mess ups, but he does some things that I don't know if I could do. I would like to say that. Take his only son up to Mount Moriah. I mean, he's willing to sacrifice. But, but what I, I love about this portion of scripture is the Bible simply reminds us over and over again that we are, we are flawed, sinful people. And we, we got to stay as close to God as we can. That there's never a time in life where we say, you know what? This is a good time to put the umbrella down just for a moment. I'm just going to sojourn at this job. I'm just going to sojourn here. I'm not intending to stay a long time, but I I just need to do this right now. God doesn't want us to do that. See, his journey started so magnificently, but he stumbled. Why? Because when testing came, when the trial arose, he forgot God. his, His vision was blurred and he stumbled and he moved out from underneath the umbrella. He didn't disbelieve in God. He just simply forgot how great he was. And it led to him trying to take matters into his own hands. So how does this apply to us? I think you've seen it as we kind of walk through it, but just to be reminded, 
You know, it seems often in life that when we take a step of faith, a famine follows. We say, you know, the Lord lays something on our heart to maybe get involved in faith promise. And we say we're going to sign up and then we lose our job. We're going we're gonna to be all in and we're going to be at church every time the doors are open. But then one of our kids gets on a select team. I mean, we just go down the line. We're, we're taking this big step of faith. And you know what? It's regularly followed by some testing. And our natural reaction is, God, what's up with that? We know this from God's word that it's God is trying to grow us. Because what he's, he, what he's wanting Abraham to understand is that even when a famine comes, hey, hang on to the umbrella. Because that's where the provision is. That's where the protection is. That's where the blessing is. And Abraham had to learn the hard way. And I would imagine here this evening that many of us have had to learn the hard way. And the unfortunate thing is we're probably gonna have to learn the hard way again. I wish I could say, man, I've got this down. Abraham still struggled with it. See, the Bible tells us in James chapter one, verse two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, complete, mature, wanting nothing. See, Abraham thought, hey, there's something I don't have and it's outside of the umbrella. But you know what, he come to, what we come to find out through Abraham's life? Everything he ever needed was underneath the umbrella. And we know that. Listen, I know, I know you know that tonight, church. I know who I'm preaching to, but so often life happens. And you're going to work and you're going to have problems and you're going to get a bill in the mail this week. And you're thinking, you know what? I got to do something about this. Make sure it's under this. Make sure you don't say, well, I'm going to just, I'll go do it my way and let it go. See, trials are part of the plan. That's not a fun pill to swallow, is it? You know, we love that. We, we quote the verse all the time and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say all things are good. They can work for good. How many like cookies? We're almost done, so I can talk about food. Yeah. There are some ingredients of cookies that are good by themselves. You know, and when my wife's making cookies, I, I go and grab some of the, the chocolate chips. I've never gone in there and just said, you know, look at a bowl of flour. Let me have some of that. That's disgusting. But you know what? Somebody that knows what they're doing can take a terrible situation like a famine or a storm in your life or a loss of a job or a health situation. And you think this can't be good. I got to do something about it. But God knows what he's doing and he puts all the ingredients together. They're not all good. But when God mixes it up, you know what? God can make all things good. And, and really, the point of it is this, that, that very next verse in, in Romans 8, 29 is we don't talk about it a lot, but we're conformed. This is the goal to be conformed to the image of his dear son. That everything that happens in life is for that reason, to grow us closer. And as you, as you walk through life, Abraham, the hard times came, why? Because God was growing him. And it was through the hard times and the difficult times that we can stand up and, and preach a message about a man taking his only son up a mountain to sacrifice him. How did he get to that point? Because he realized, hey, if I stay under this, this umbrella, God can do anything. In fact, he could raise my son from the dead. That, that's, what it, that's what it produces in our life. So instead of looking for a way out of the umbrella and maybe tonight you're on the edge and you're thinking, I, I, I can make it a lot faster if I'm not holding this. 
Don't look for a way out. Look to God. That's what Abraham can teach us here. Stay under the umbrella. Let God do what only God can do. After all, he is the author of our faith. He is the sustainer of our faith. And he will be the finisher of our faith. We talk about Abraham as a man of faith, but you know what it really was? It was God. And Abraham just, his life points to God. And I'm thankful for that. Just a couple questions and we're done. The most important thing, you can't live a life of faith if you haven't started it. You got to know Jesus Christ is your personal savior. God wants everybody to live a life of faith, but that's where it starts. Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect sinless life. And he died on an old rugged cross and was buried to pay a debt that we could not pay. And the third day he arose. And if you don't know that, if you've never settled it in your heart, if you never placed your full faith and trust in him, would tonight be the night? What a great night it would be. But here's the question. If you have started that, faith, that journey, have you stumbled? Maybe you stumbled a long time ago and you haven't picked the umbrella back up. You know what I'm thankful for? That Abraham picked the umbrella back up. He got back in Genesis 13. You can see he, he got back on the right track. But you know what we're tempted to do when we mess up? Well, I tried and it didn't work out. It, God, God wouldn't want me back. We, we're like Peter sometimes. I'm going fishing because I can't do anything else. Pick your umbrella back up. Maybe you're tempted right now to stumble. You've started and you're going, but listen, don't stumble. God wants to help you. And if you're there, don't stay there. I'm thankful that men like Abraham not only are there great victories recorded, but their stumbles are recorded. Because that's where we live. And it reminds us that we can get back up. Why? Not because we're good. Because God's good. Would you stand with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed?